1: Welcome to the SyrupCast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I am Patrick O'Rourke, and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, is once again across the internet for me at an undisclosed location. How are you doing, Brad?
2: Thanks. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm in an undisclosed location, but since we're testing out video with this podcast, people might see this entirely fake backdrop of a normal office room
1: it's just but, it's just
2: a fake background right in, yeah in 4K. it's really just me showing off my green screening skills um this is a, i hand drew this it's art it's actually not a it's a giant painting <laughs> that would be even better yeah like an old movie set how are this you doing This
1: john lamont is also joining us on the po- joining us on the podcast me me i'm good i'm good i'll answer that first i'm, I'm good john nice. is joining us how are you doing john
0: I'm also doing well. Uh just vibing here in my boring beige office. All the exciting stuff is in front of me, so you can't see it because of the camera. I like
1: the simplicity though. Not yet. yeah. I like a
0: couch or something, which is Yeah, like, there's uh, a I little bit of a, a couch.
1: Is that a futon?
0: Yeah, it is a futon, but we're actually planning to move it out of here once <gasps> we get some, some bookshelves oh, no. to put back there.
2: I mean bookshelves are a good background, but I will tell you that when I first moved into this apartment, uh, there was a couch, like a little fold-out couch, in this room, and I wanted it in here so bad, and I couldn't fit it, and I had to get rid of it. And every day, I just wish I had like a separate seating area that, when I'm done sitting at the desk, I could go sit over there. Yeah, for that would sure. Be cool. Or to lay down, you know, like for like ten minutes during the day. It's like, oh, Patrick's stressing me out so goddamn much. I'm lay down. You know,
1: <laughs> I, I just want a picture of it if you ever do that. Just like yeah. with you sitting there with your hand on your forehead, just. <laughs> Can't take it anymore. Can't so, can't take it. Can't handle it. So in this week's episode, we're focusing on a few bigger stories that the mobile surf team has been working on. First, there's Microsoft's dual screen Surface Duo, which has been that's all John. He he has the Duo. He's been using it. He'll be giving us our his two cents and his opinion on Microsoft's first smartphone. And I guess you could call it a smartphone, right?
0: Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's a smartphone. It's up their first though. It's, not first well, smartphone, not first.
1: first in a in a really long time. Yeah. I guess
0: is what I'm saying. First Android um, smartphone would I guess yes. be a fair, fair statement.
1: And then we're also going to talk about some wacky carrier deals that have been floating around over the last little bit. We're gonna we're gonna discuss what a win back is. But as always, before we get to that, Bennett, please hit us with the hottest news of the week.
2: I'm gonna go through it pretty quickly. Um, This week, just because I don't know how much stuff there is to talk about the things, but first off, Disney Plus uh, is launching a new add-on, or has launched a new add-on, I guess, by the time this comes out. I think it came out yesterday, actually, uh, called Star. So if you have a Disney Plus subscription, that got more expensive, but you just also got a whole lot more content. So this is, like, basically Hulu, which is the streaming service in the States, uh, brought to the rest of the world, Canada included, under a new branding called Star. So you'll get Hulu originals. You'll get – I don't know what else is in there, like, adult-themed – Content, but that's not porn like like Family Guy or like R rated movies. Saw, I saw um, that you can watch Con Air, Con Air, Ugly Betty. There's like a Star original called Love Victor. I know nothing about, but uh, I think the gist of it is Disney Plus got more adult, but like just in a mature way, not a porn way, um, and that's exciting. And also I love more you more have expensive. to you have to qualify with that. Every year. I don't know how else to say it, right? Because like how else would you? So describe would say it? It, it like Disney Plus grew up,
1: but. I would say content that's not like not PG. Like there's some Uh, more mature, I guess is what you would would call it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. PG 13 content.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's PG 13.
2: (laughs) Make sure you have an adult with you in the room. But yeah, it's Star. It's pretty cool. If you haven't checked it out, there's a lot of stuff on there. And it actually makes Disney Plus a lot more competitive with Netflix and Prime Video, I think. Uh, Beyond that, this one's actually pretty cool. Anchor made a battery pack for the MagSafe iPhones that just like magnets on the back and wirelessly charges them. It looks impossible to keep in your pocket or keep attached because it's really big, Uh, but very cool. I'm very excited for the future of MagSafe battery packs.
1: Yeah, I think the idea behind it is less like, you know, the smart cases that Apple sells. I don't, yeah, like it's not a replacement for that in a sense. It's really like your phone's dying, you slap this thing on it for a little bit, and then you take it off when you don't need it anymore. It's not like leave it on all day, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I think some people, other websites misreported about it is it's only MagSafe compatible. It's not yeah. like an officially licensed MagSafe accessory. Who knows what that means? It'll probably work just I as know well. what it means. What does it mean? They didn't want to pay Apple's license?
2: Uh, it means that they can charge at like 5 watts, but not the 12 watts that MagSafe chargers can do.
1: That's true. You're right. Yep.
2: Um, so it is a slower wireless charger. And if you've already used a MagSafe charger, you'll know that, that already is pretty slow so it's a little top up I think it's a cool idea coolest magsafe idea so far
1: yeah I'd say so the the only other thing worth mentioning about it is that um there's rumors that Apple's working on their own version of that exact same concept which mm-hmm. presumably charge at uh, what's the max for magsafe I think it's fifteen watts fifteen or it's either 12, ten or yeah. fifteen okay
2: uh, yeah. somewhere between ten and fifteen yeah um but it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's in that range. It's called fast charging, but it's not really that quick. But it is faster yeah. than the slowest you can get, I guess. Um, just before we move on from that one, now that MagSafe's been out for a bit, does anyone come across any like ideas, even in your own mind, something that you think MagSafe could actually be good for? I mean, the chargers are cool. The cases so far offer nothing other than a little sound when you put them on. Um, there's a uh, there's a really pop cool pop socket case. There's oh a pop yeah, pop socket case that's that's the really MagSafe. neat. The MagSafe um,
1: pop sockets are pretty cool. I've seen like lines of accessories from some companies that are neat too, like things that just magnetically attach to the back of them. I know, mm-hmm. Anch- I don't know if it's out yet, but I know at one point Anchor announced that it's working on its own line of accessories that are all MagSafe compatible. Um, has has yeah, any I, company
0: I, done like a MagSafe compatible car mount? So you just kind of magnet Anchor. your phone into it? Okay, I don't know sweet. if it
1: came out. I know they announced it. I don't know if it's out. They haven't reached out to me since the announcement. It's probably mm-hmm. still in development, but... I know there's a couple companies that are trying to create like ecosystems that piggyback on on the technology but I I don't know if it's like there's a bunch of accessories that suck like the wallet one that Apple sells like that thing's horrible
2: it just falls off you lose all your cards the end don't need them put apple pay that's what the that's are <laughs> telling you that's um, the whole point of it yeah I don't know what about like you used to have that one this is a dumb one but you used to have that uh fan that plugged into the USB oh, yeah. C port on a phone and then blew at your face but imagine you get like a MagSafe one. You maybe get two fans coming off either side. You magnet it on the back. Can MagSafe transfer power out? Do we know? I have no idea. No, I don't think, cool. think so. If it can, if it can put power out, I think that would open a lot more. I, I would uh, totally
1: buy that accessory. I would just put it on my desk right in front of me. Have the, the, the iPhone 12 Pro just
2: like spray me in the face with with air all day. Be great. Your iPhone would look like an attack helicopter. Just be sitting there with like two <laughs> fans at the side. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Unless anyone else has anything left to say about MagSafe, um, you may have heard there's a semi semi-condu- uh, semiconductor chip shortage kind of happening globally. Uh, it's been affecting cars a lot. You know, F one hundred and fifty and Volkswagen, the F four, F one hundred and fifty, and the Volkswagen Jetta had to be pulled off their production lines last week or two weeks ago, and I assume they're back, but I don't know. But this production or this chip shortage is affecting a lot of industries outside of regular consumer tech, but. Back in consumer tech, the PlayStation 5, which is already notoriously hard to get, is likely going to stay that way until next Christmas or even throughout next Christmas because of this said semiconductor chip
1: shortage. Xbox Series X and and S are having similar shortages too, related to that. Right. That's not surprising, I guess.
2: Yeah. And I'm sure lots of other things are, but uh, it sucks. I mean, PlayStation, I don't know. Have we had a console release cycle like this where it's like it came out one year and it was a whole year before it was hard to get? I mean... The last one, I feel like it was like four or five months before it became is you could go pick one up.
1: So the but. I remember the Xbox one being relatively easy to get and the PS4 being relatively easy to get, not not mm. like right at release, but like, I don't know, four weeks later, that sort of thing. The last super scarce system that I can recall is the launch of the PS3 and the launch of the Wii. They were impossible to get for a really long period of time.
2: I remember the Wii being a thing, but I was really too young to be like buying it myself. I just remember everyone like trying to find them for people for Christmas.
1: Yeah, it was a, the year that the Wii came out. was. I didn't get one until like way after, but the year it came out, it was like the hot ticket item of, of Christmas and like everybody was trying to get it. But that was that as long as this PlayStation 5 shortage is expected? No, I, I think no. this is this is pretty unprecedented, like especially if it's going to roll into almost a year from the system's release. Like there's also Microsoft said that it's sold every single Xbox Series X that it has. We've seen like some restocks. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be hard to get these consoles for a really long time and it's unfortunate, but it's, I think it's just reality of, of like the the ongoing pandemic finally affecting supply chain and manufacturing for, for these things.
2: Yeah. That's tough. Being a gamer is harder now, even on the PC side, getting graphics cards is near impossible as well. And John, I'm assuming that's going to stay the same for a while.
0: Yeah, most likely. That's that's like a, a double whammy of just short supply and huge, huge demand for the new AMD and NVIDIA cards. But also like cryptocurrency is up. So mining for cryptocurrency huge. is taking oh, off again. So uh, it becomes this whole thing where it's like, it's not just gamers trying to buy these GPUs. Cryptocurrency miners are buying them too. And it, the market is just like, there's so much demand for them. Uh, so,
2: it's gonna and be I think that way
0: for a while, crypto mining is a little
2: different than it was when like the first boom happened a few years ago. I feel like the people buying them now are like large m- companies acting as like mining operations, buying like thousands at a time and like bulk operations. I don't know if I mean I'm sure regular miners are buying small rigs too, but I think the bulk of mining yeah. comes from huge scale op- operations, which are buying. Who knows? Yeah. How many Um. Beyond that, we got uh, we got a little leak of the Pixel. 5a possibly uh, which basically looked like a pixel 4a 5g so not much exciting there but exciting to know there will be a pixel 5a and hopefully soon
1: what's the difference between this and the standard pixel 5 like i know it's it's leaked but what what does the, the leak indicate
0: uh since the pixel 3 came out google has done a like a numbered version that's their flagship and then an a variant that comes out the next year that is basically just A budget smartphone but like with pixel software and so as far as like what's different the main differences between the pixel 5a and the pixel 5 will likely come down to the processor the hardware to an extent uh for example the pixel 5 was an all aluminum chassis whereas the a series has almost always been plastic stuff like that. But it's going to be interesting to see because the pixel five was a little bit more of a budget flagship as well. Like it wasn't a full fledged flagship phone. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out at the end. But the leak basically was, yeah, the pixel five a is in almost every way, identical to the four a five G other than a few millimeters difference in, in size. So I, I very strongly expect that the Pixel 5a is basically just going to be a Pixel 4a 5G with some minor differences. And yeah, they... Google will probably scrap the 4a <laughs> 5G when the 5a comes out.
2: Oh, that scrapping of the 4a 5G makes sense. I think the thing that really stuck with me in my mind was it was just like, what chip are they going to use? If the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5 are already both using a like mid-range chip, would if the 5a use a worse chip than the 4a 5G? But if, if it's getting scrapped, then it potentially could
0: yeah or do you think it would do something better than both them i doubt i doubt it yeah my memory um is not serving me well at the moment but i don't think that qualcomm has announced their mid-range chip for 2021 yet like i know they announced the snapdragon 888 Mm -hmm. which is like the flagship but what's that
1: is there a possibility it might feature that chip
0: I definitely, but okay. it would require Qualcomm to make that announcement. Um, it would also
2: then have a better chip than the Pixel Five, which would be weird that <laughs> an A series would have a better chip than the flagship yeah, series true. phone. Yeah, that's so there's a lot. There's a weird. lot of
0: unanswered questions still. The leak primarily was just like this is what it's probably going to look like, and the dimensions. Um, we still don't know chip. We don't know what the camera is going to be. Although I can't imagine it being significantly different from the Pixel Five. Um, One 50 so. times telephoto lens. That's
2: it. No responses. <laughs> Moving on. Solar roof. Tesla is basically, I don't know, the solar roofs are kind of blowing up on our site. We posted a video of like snow melting off it a few weeks ago and people got excited about that. And then shortly after that, um, Elon Musk tweeted that solar roofs would be available in Canada at some point during 2021. People seem excited about it. That's why I'm sharing it here. If you want a solar roof, pay attention to mobile syrup we'll have the news hopefully at some point in 2021
1: why are people so excited about this
2: um I think it's just like the coolest solar panel like i I have to believe that like pretty much ever since solar panels came out people were just like those are cool I like how they work they're huge they're ugly can we integrate this into the design of our home so way better okay the obvious way to do that is to make roofing shingles that are tiny solar cells so that every shingle is a solar panel so the roof looks like a normal trendy house roof as opposed to this like house with a giant solar panel strapped to it.
1: I think that's just why people like it. the and traffic on those
2: the traffic on those stories is crazy like mm-hmm. not what I expected. It's just very futuristic. I don't know. I mean like realistically anyone building a house right now has to be contemplating solar I'd imagine. I mean just like green energy is becoming such a thing and it's becoming much more affordable. I'm sure people must be contemplating it and the fact that we're not able to, even though it's probably the most expensive, the fact that we weren't able to get the best solar panel design in Canada up until some point in 2021, I think was people were like not happy about that. You know, if you had the money and you wanted to build a house right now, um, but you wanted to have solar, you'd almost be like wasting your money because you'd have to be like redoing it in a few years with solar once it becomes available. You know, I think people are just hedging their bets on that, like green building. I don't know. Cool. I like to hope so. Yeah. I like to believe in the people that people like to, the environment and want to save. It.
1: I want more. Uh, I want more videos of snow melting off roofs.
2: Me too. I like. I mean, a lot of the comments in that video pointed it out, and I think I even wrote about it too. But it's like, I mean, that was a. I think it was in the Midwest in America, so it's not like a Canadian winter. I mean, it's not. Even yeah, like it's a, different. Well, it's more like a Toronto winter. But like, I want to see someone with like twenty feet of snow suffering through like two weeks of minus twenty weather, and I want to see the snow melting off it. Then you know that I want to see hardcore. If like, it even would, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, do we? I think that's the thing Canadian want, Canadians want to know too. Like, when we get these roofs, are we going to have to be up like shoveling them because that's yeah. a lot of work and it's dangerous? And like, if you have a two story, three story home, like super dangerous. So. Yeah, there's a lot to learn about them, but I think people want it because people like green tech. And then just the last thing I'll briefly talk about was, this is basically for me, but Spotify held its like Apple keynote type event. and It like announced it was coming to 80 new markets. It has a new hi-fi plan, uh, tons of new advertising things for podcasts, which is, it's kind of just shows that it's really dedicated to podcasts. It's really committed to trying to grow that empire and get as much money out of it as it can, which is good for the company. I don't know what it's going to be like for consumers, um they announced like new features coming to the app like the like snapchat stories are basically coming to spotify so if you go to an artist profile you can click on their picture and you might see like a snapchat slash instagram story type video all all kinds of stuff like that but uh i think coming out of it the one thing i would say is spotify really cemented itself as number one in the audio market like beyond a doubt Was uh, there I, I, I don't yet. know is there pricing for the Spotify? no They really just, that was more of a tease. They were like, Spotify Hi-Fi is coming. We know you asked for it. Here's a video with Billie Eilish and her brother sitting in a giant bubble. They're talking about why Hi-Fi music is better, but they'll say nothing specific about Spotify Hi-Fi.
1: So with Hi-Fi, my main question surrounding that is like, if I subscribe to that, is that something that I can get the benefit of if I'm just wearing like regular headphones or do I need like insanely high-end headphones to be able to experience that?
2: Um, insanely high-end probably not I'm skeptical about like Bluetooth headphones noticing okay. that much of a difference I'm sure you'd notice a small difference but I, I do think you would need a, like a higher-end pair of headphones and like a you'd want to make sure that you're listening like, like you're not listening through like an old device with a low-end DAC or something you want to you want to you would want sure to if you're paying the extra I'm assuming it's going to be $20 a month because that's what Title is um, so if you're paying that extra $10 a month I think you'd want to make sure that you're like you have a setup that's going to take advantage of it. Yeah, personally, I don't know how well Tidal Hi-Fi or Spotify Hi-Fi is going to take off. I don't think it's something that a lot of people are willing to pay for, hence why Tidal is not the number one streaming service on the market. But it'll be nice, and I'm sure some Tidal people will switch over because Spotify is where their friends are, and it's where all the other features are. So,
1: I think it's something they had to offer to sort of like just to, to feature parity with with Tidal, even though Spotify is like obviously way more popular
2: yeah no i agree amazon music is switching into like or has been transitioning into the hd sort of lossless music space as well so to fend off both those sort of upstarts spotify like anyone now previously if you had that high-end audio setup that i was talking about you basically had to pay that extra for title or amazon now you could get spotify and and be like the rest of the world but yeah that's that's basically it for the hottest news of the week. unless anyone has any spotify questions you know pretty exciting stuff apparently there's an app redesign coming but that's more in leaks Ooh. than official and will I actually be able so, to navigate the app no, it looks it looks more confusing to me, but we'll see.
1: oh, great, no, that's exactly what I want.
0: oh no, uh, it I was kind hoping of... the app design would let me I was just gonna say i I, was, I hope the uh, app design lets me banish podcasts into another <laughs> realm, so I never have to see them on Spotify again. that would be like a
2: smart feature. I don't think they would do that since they're trying to grow born, podcasts it' probably so big. be like, yeah more podcasts there'll be like a anything. big
1: tab that just says podcast and like bright pink writing in the middle of the um, screen at all times
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, it seems like a smaller refresh at, at first just these are basically android police like leaks and stuff but it does seem to me a little bit more material design-esque on android so that's exciting that they're like using the android design language which might actually i just thought about this now and with this If they're using the Android design, perhaps it means that they're actually going to involve themselves with that Android 12 feature that's leaked about apps uh, accepting your like system theme design. So like third-party apps would theme in the same way the rest of Android 12 does. Maybe if Spotify is putting an Android that would be cool material design on really the market, clean. it's because they're anticipating this like ability to change colors. That is a huge <laughs> hedger bet. That is not news. Just want everyone to know that, that is a Brad Bennett theory, but it would be cool. <laughs> So, like,
1: I remember when the Surface Duo was first revealed. I was super excited about it. I thought it was really cool. It was very, very different. It was unlike anything that we'd seen before. Then you fast forward to 2021, and when I look at the Duo, it seems outdated to me, beside, like, Samsung's Galaxy Z Flip or the Z Fold 2 just because it doesn't have an actual foldable display, right? It's two separate screens, like we talked about before. It's still exciting because this is Microsoft's first phone in years, and it's the company's first Android phone, which is, that's a big deal. But I guess, John, just to start things off, like, am I explain, first of all, I guess, what the Surface Duo is. And then on top of that, like, am I totally off? Like, should I be excited about this? Am I wrong that the Z Flip and the Z Fold 2 are far more impressive just because they're foldable. Is the is this dual screen design just significantly more practical?
0: Yeah. So first off, just what the Surface Duo is, is it's a, an Android smartphone, but with Microsoft flavoring all over it. Um, but what's particularly unique about it is it has two displays. Um, and that's not like... I'm not talking about like, you know, the Samsung Galaxy Fold, which has one display that like can bend in half and it opens up like a book. The Surface Duo literally has two separate screens. Um, and there's a couple reasons why Microsoft wanted to do the two screens instead of one folding display. Um, and those are basically inking um and 360 degree hinge so the first one inking or using a stylus or a pen Um, there's been plenty of rumors about Samsung adding that to the Galaxy fold line but the same issue keeps coming up which is that Samsung has struggled to make the S Pen work with the folding display because it's not actually glass it's a different material so Microsoft basically said all right with the Surface Duo we want people to be able to ink on it, so that means we need to use glass. And if we're gonna use glass, it can't fold. So we're gonna have two separate displays and two separate screens to to make up for that. So it's kind of like a compromise, and in a lot of ways it can seem outdated compared to like the fold, because the screen does doesn't even, actually fold. Does it even come with a stylus? Uh n- no, it does not come what with a stylus. What is this whole ink plan then? What is this? But um, it does work with Microsoft's uh, Surface Pen. It's um, paid
2: off by like big octopus. <laughs> big octopus.
0: Big <laughs> <laughs> octopus. Oh, the goodness. ink, ha. Huh. But yeah, it is. It is fully compatible solid. with Microsoft's um, Surface Slim Pen, I believe, which is the one that came out alongside the Surface Pro X. So if you already have a Surface device, then you can use the pen that you already have with the the Duo, which is nice. And then the other part of it is the 360-degree hinge. So with the Z Fold, you can... I'm going to hold up the Surface oh, Duo yeah. here on video. I want to so see Z, it. It's so thin. That looks amazing. That is really it is, thin. It that's is cool. incredibly thin. Um, and that that's another part that I'll get into. But with the Z Fold, you can open it up flat. But with the Duo, you can go all the way around. Right? And go into, like, tent mode. Yeah. Like, the all the different 360-degree... Uh, laptops that are out there where you can fold it around and make it a tablet and stuff like that so microsoft really wanted to accomplish that and you can't do that with a folding screen at least at this, not really with the tech that we have available now
2: at the start of this conversation i was on pat's side where i was like eh, it kind of looks outdated maybe i'm over it and then you held it up and you put it in front of the screen and like i said we're testing video this week so i saw it with my eyes i am very excited again that looks awesome looks yeah. sick <laughs> I mean, it do is, you feel like a baller holding it? Like it just, it's, yeah, I it's do. big. It looks really cool. Like it looks very premium. Like the metal and glass looks clean.
0: So that's like the how thing. How does it feel? It, it feels really good. The hinge okay. feels incredible. It's like very, not stiff, but it's like, it's like a smooth hinge, but it can stop at any point. Right. So I can like open it up in all kinds of different formations. I can open it up flat. I can open it up sideways, which is really nice. Um, and it is incredibly thin. That's probably one of the things that you'll notice the most about it when you hold it in your hand is it's super, super thin. I think like four, it's under five millimeters in terms of thickness, which is crazy. Like, I don't think there's any phone out there that's as thin as this thing. Um, and the reason why Microsoft wanted to make it so thin was so that when you do fold it up, it's not that thick. Like it's. I, under, would, like, I would
2: argue it's still thin.
0: Yeah, it's, it's under about a centimeter or it's roughly a centimeter thick when, when it's folded, um, which is thicker than your average phone, but not significantly so. So you can still put it in your pocket and it's okay. Um, and the entire story of the Surface Duo design, I think comes down to a question of, you know, where do we compromise in terms of getting to the functionality that we want? And so Microsoft really had this you know, goal in terms of the functionality that they wanted the surface duo to be able to achieve and then approach designing it in order to achieve that. So the thinness, for example, it's that thin so that you can still put it in your pocket or in your purse or in your bag. And you don't have this big bulky thing, like some of the other foldables that are out there. Um, But in order to get to that thinness, they had to make cuts in terms of the battery. Like it has a very small battery. Um, Oh no. How um, long does it last? Um, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, it's actually kind of impressive. It's like a 3,300 okay. milliamp hour, roughly, battery. Um, so it's a really small battery. And the thinness, like, it makes for just, like, a very weird experience, I think. Like, one of the things you notice is even when you have it folded all the way around. That was it's cool like, when
1: you folded that.
0: It's like a super wide phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not... Like just for reference, I'm also gonna hold up an S20. Like, yeah, it's a the, five or
2: six centimeters wider than a standard yeah, phone. It looks like, yeah,
1: you can see the thinness difference too. Like, this is the Z Fold Two in my hand, and mm-hmm. like, it's it literally a, looks like half that thick, boy, when you have it folded. Like, kind yeah, of because
0: when you when you fully unfold the Z Fold Two, it's the same thickness as like a Galaxy S20, right? Mm-hmm. So when you fold it, it doubles that that thickness. So yeah, like Microsoft's entire design philosophy with the the Duo was basically just, you know, we want to make it still approachable. Um, so they tweak the design. And one of the reasons why it's it, this phone is so wide was so that they have more width to play with stuff so that they can keep it thinner.
2: Oh, okay. that I guess that makes sense. So I don't mind the wide look. I think it looks unique. Sorry. It,
0: it, it does look unique. Um, I do have a few minor issues with it. Um, I have... Kind of small hands, so one of the kind of use cases that Microsoft touted was you t- take it and you fold it sideways, and then you use the bottom screen as like your keyboard and you type on it, kind of like, like a DS, DS type love it. Thing, yeah. Right, I'm even put more a DS emulator
2: it. on it. Has anyone done that? Uh, People must have. They must have done that on the phone. I'm
0: sure somebody has. I I haven't tried one out yet myself, but it's a great use case. I find for me, because of the width, it's just a little bit uncomfortable to actually type on that with my thumbs. Um, but for someone with bigger hands, it would be fine.
2: So you need like a keyboard that's like split in the middle, like on yeah, uh, I yeah. can't show up, but on Echo Smart displays it's like that.
1: In terms of mm-hmm. software, like what sort of things does having these two screens allow you to do with the phone? Like, what to me that's the obviously the appeal of this device, right? Like, yeah. But what does that practically give someone using the Surface Duo?
0: So Microsoft talks about it in terms of different. Um, I think the word they use is postures, but basically there's okay. different base setups that you can do. And in my experience, the main way that you're going to use the Duo is with one app on each screen. So a great example of this is I have it set up so that I can open up and view my calendar on one screen and on the other screen, I've got my to-do list so I can like go through and I can go, okay, here's what's on my calendar today. I got to add these things to my to-do list and stuff like that. So it's all side-by-side apps. And
2: how often do you feel like you use that? When I had the LG V50, whatever dual screen device, it had two screens like that. I mean, the design was not as good, but... I basically kept a notepad on the second screen, used it once or twice a day. And for the life of me, I I had trouble finding use for that second screen.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the same thing that I've got going on. Like I've found certain uses that are really great for me, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, I'm like, I don't really need the second screen all that often, Um, which is definitely something to consider. Like thinking about how you actually use a phone and most apps are designed to be on one screen, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. and most phone experiences are designed around having one screen. So, so you
1: personally, what do you find yourself doing with it? I guess would be a better way to ask that question.
0: I mostly just use it as a normal phone and off. I, I actually, that I mean, often like you just, have it like
2: folded. So it's just like kind of a one screen experience. Yes. I, okay.
0: I often fold it around just to a one screen experience and pull out the second screen when I do need it. Mm-hmm. Um, Often what I find, like if I'm playing a game or something and somebody sends me a text message, it's nice to be able to open that on the second screen. Um, Can you
2: just like flip it? Like if you're just like gaming on one screen, you just turn the phone over in your hand and send the text on the other. Can you
0: do that? So you can flip it. um, But when it's it's in one screen mode, there's actually a software thing where it it uses the accelerometer and whatnot to detect which screen is facing up. Mm -hmm. And then you can double tap on the screen to switch between the two.
2: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. See, I like that. I didn't have that ability
0: with the LG one. But yeah, so you can, you know, running multiple apps side by side like that is kind of the main way that I use it, but there's a limit to that. So for example, playing a game and then checking a message that some, somebody sends me super helpful, or if I get an email and somebody wants to set up a, a meeting, I open my calendar to see when I have a free spot on the second screen. Like those instances it's super, super useful having the second display, and I, mm-hmm. I actually really enjoy having it there for that stuff.
2: Yeah, that sounds cool.
0: But there's also a bunch of times where it's not useful at all, and I almost wish I could take the second screen off, which is where like one of the LG approaches is having it yeah. as a external case that you can remove. That's nice when I don't want to use it. Um, how, uh, how
1: solid is the software performance? Like I know when the surface duo came out in the U S back in September, that was one of the things that a lot of media and YouTubers that had the surface and they were testing it. That was like one of the things they encountered was it was a mess before it came out. There's like a last minute update that fixed a bunch of problems, like at the like ninth hour. Um, and then it's like slowly improved over the last little bit, but like now yeah. what's the state of the software?
0: So the software in my experience actually works Pretty well, um, but it's not perfect, and okay. I don't think that it's entirely Microsoft's fault. Um, and ba- basically, the actual software experience on the Surface Duo is very comparable to what you'd get on a Pixel device. Interesting, it's near stock Android. There's a few tweaks and changes that are very Microsoft. So, for example, instead of a Google like the that, Google though. Pixel launcher, you get the Microsoft launcher. You know, it's got Microsoft's calendar app, Microsoft Outlook, all the Microsoft apps pre-installed. Um, instead of Gboard, you get SwiftKey, which Microsoft owns. And Oh, I didn't know that they owned. It used to be like the most popular yeah. one of the most popular third-party <laughs> keyboards. And now nobody uses it, but it's actually still really good. It um, might
2: come on Samsung I, phones, and you, does it still? Or no,
0: no, Samsung uses its own keyboard. Okay. Um, it does, yeah. But I've, I've started installing SwiftKey on, on some of my phones yeah. because I've been enjoying it on, on the, the Duo.
2: Nice.
0: Um, I tried switching to Gboard on the Duo, but Gboard does not play nice with multiple screens. Um, and that's, that's one of the other things that you'll find with the software is there's the actual Android part of it, which is what I'm talking about now. But there's a whole other part where it's which apps are designed to take advantage of two screens. Um, so I'll get into that a little bit after, but as far as Android goes, it's, it's a very, it's almost a stock Android experience with a bunch of Microsoft stuff. Um, and I think that Microsoft approached, uh, Android skinning better than any other Android manufacturer out there, because instead of doing a bunch of visual stuff like Samsung does with one UI, Microsoft just changed the core, uh, system functions around multitasking to make it work with two screens Um, so i've found the best way to explain the duo is picture using your typical android smartphone Uh, you open an app you want to switch to a different app so you swipe up to bring up your list of apps you can scroll through that select a new app and that opens up and then just picture that but twice you have two screens it's that's like the best way to explain it because that's really all Microsoft did. And then they added some software for interacting between the two screens. Um, So basically I'm going to try and show it again on the video. If this doesn't play out, it's not going to play out, but you get the surface duo up and you can like swipe up on one screen and you get all your apps. Okay. Right. Like you would on any normal Android phone. And then when you've got an app open on one screen, you can, like, swipe on the bottom to flip it from one screen to the other. Oh,
1: that's a neat implementation. And then the
0: last is you press and hold and you, like, put it in the middle to, like, put it across multiple screens. Um, So it's all, like, swipe-based controls. So at first, it can be a little daunting remembering all the swipe controls, but after you've used it for a little bit, you kind of just get used to them. Um, But, yeah, it's just, like... Your typical smartphone experience where you swipe up to close your apps, you can, and all that stuff, but you just happen to be able to easily put them on two different displays.
1: So, before we move on, what, like on the hardware side of things, we haven't talked much about that, like what sort of specs does the Duo feature? Is it a high end processor? What's the camera performance like? Are those features compromised in order for this dual screen setup to work, or are you still getting those high end specs that people expect from a phone that costs? Can you, cost you Snapchat?
2: Can you Snapchat on one screen and TikTok on the other?
1: That's what I. That's all I want, honestly.
0: So, up. really quickly, I did want to go into the app situation, and it's funny that you bring up TikTok. So, oh really? Right now, uh, most apps on the Duo are designed for a single screen experience, so they mostly work well if you open them up on one screen, which is great because the primary goal of the Duo is to have one app on each screen. So you have you end up using different pairs of apps together, right? Duo um, apps even. And there's, there's actually a pairing process where you can create a shortcut on the home screen that automatically launches a set of apps together. So for example, I have it set up that I can launch Sonos and Spotify at the same time. So that I can start playing music on my Sonos speaker and then control it with the Sonos app on my phone, all from one interface. I don't have to open and switch between multiple apps. So that kind of stuff is really handy. So yeah, Android apps are just Android apps when you're in the single screen experience. As soon as you want to go to dual screen and bridge an app across both screens, that's where things tend to fall apart. Because most apps, like from the app perspective, it just sees one large screen there's no split. So most apps render as if they're on one large screen and content gets cut off by the split between the two screens. Oh, really? Um, I thought
2: it would be smart enough to know.
0: That's some awesome. of Microsoft's apps, however, are smart enough to know and they are uh, display accordingly and they don't get cut off by the split. So there's an unfortunate gap with the software in terms of apps where a lot of apps just don't, work with two screens because they don't know that they're on two screens they just think they're on one screen um wait are they opening automatically to stretch across both screens or is it when you try to force
2: them across both no things? it's when you
0: try to force them across both oh screen. okay
2: okay I, I, th- I was on the wrong page there i thought yeah, they were like opening automatically i was like wait so it's basically unusable like every app is spread across like no, a no, 16 no. by nine aspect ratio
0: by default every app opens as if it's a uh, opens on one screen and it okay, opens cool. on the screen that you tap it on so, like when you're on your home screen, if you have an app icon on the right screen and you tap it, it opens on the right screen. But if you swipe your okay. screen so that that app is that icon is on the left screen, and then you tap it there, it opens on the left screen. And um, then what's
1: the what's the hardware situation like with? The yeah, hardware? so
0: the hardware situation is I was just gonna pull up the spec list here because I don't remember exactly, but it's an older processor, it's the eight fifty five right? Eight fifty five, yeah. Um, so it's got a Qualcomm Snapdragon 855. It's got six gigs of RAM, which isn't great. 128 gigs of storage for the base model. Um, fingerprint sensor, is two stuff years like old, that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Three. It's two. two years old. I think. Old, it's two. I think. Okay, okay. Um So that's really disappointing. And like I mentioned earlier, the battery. It's a five hundred seventy seven milliamp hour battery. Um, so on paper, the specs are kind of really. Disappointing. You know, it's an older processor, not a lot of RAM, um, small battery. Uh, the camera is an 11 megapixel camera. Um, but in practice, it actually works surprisingly well. And I think a lot of that has been software optimization and updates that Microsoft has put out. But in my experience, the performance is generally really good with a few minor exceptions. There's like one thing in the Microsoft launcher that no matter what always performs poorly. And there's usually a bit of jank when opening the multitasking menu, hmm. but surprisingly running apps side by side works really, really well and really smoothly the majority of the time, like much better than I expected it to work. Um, and so that's, that's really good. Um, I do think it would be a lot better with a newer processor. And I'd love to see like a Surface Duo 2 with a Snapdragon 888 or something like that. That really takes advantage of that extra power. Um, but considering what Microsoft is working with here, it is really, really impressive what the Snapdragon 855 is capable of. On the battery side of things, considering that it's powering a combined 8.1 inch Uh, 2,700 by 1,800 pixel, like 401 pixels per inch display. That's if you are doing the two displays at the same time, individually, they're 5.6 inch uh, screens. Um, The battery. Which is not
2: a small feat. I mean, screens is the most battery on most phones. Yeah. Screens.
0: the, The screens are definitely the most battery. And I regularly get four hours of screen on time. And, end the day with about 30% charge, which, which is, is like, good. that's bad. what you'd get from an average phone. It's not as good as what I got when I was reviewing the S21, but the S21 also doesn't have two displays that is powering mm-hmm. all the time, right? So it's like the, the actual power usage is really good. And I think one of the benefits to that is Microsoft told me there was a lot of software optimization, but I think also it's that you don't use an always on display with this. Because when you're oh. not using it, it's closed. It's yeah. no screen, right? I love that. Sound so it's, effect. yeah, the little the little it makes a nice <laughs> sound when you close it.
2: That's a beautiful sound.
0: So it's yeah, really I was well I was engineer. really really impressed by the um, the battery life. Um, I've been impressed with the engineering the, and the hardware. The hinge feels really good. It's super smooth, even you know, opening and closing it multiple times a day. Like it still feels great. Um, there's no noticeable degradation, but I've only had it for a couple of weeks, so I wouldn't expect anything like that. Um, the hardware is great. My only real complaint is there's a couple areas where you can see like almost a bit of a gap forming between the glass panel oh, and the that. metal border around the edge, which is a little annoying and. That's really it the, the I, camera I guess, the the camera is terrible oh. <laughs> basically not worth using uh, which is really disappointing That's but, but the same time I on think,
2: spreadsheets with that bad boy anyway I think <laughs> the camera was to the max.
0: unfortunately another victim of the thinness because there's no camera bump or anything it's just mm-hmm. your selfie slash normal camera because you so, only get the one on the inside of the screen so if you want to take a picture, you have to fold it around like this so you can you know, take pictures of other stuff.
2: Only the selfie camera on the inside.
1: Yeah. The last thing that I think I want to really, really quickly talk about so that we can get to this fun carrier stuff is one. How much does it cost? And two, it's available now, right?
0: Yeah. So it is available in Canada. It went on sale starting February 18th. The cost is $1,869 and 99 cents for the 128 gig. And then one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine for the two fifty six, cool, um, which is a lot of money, uh, especially considering the older hardware. Um, there's no five G, so if you want to, you know, surf on the future networks, um, that's not really an option. you never get so to 5 G. It's Th- it's the, the pricing is probably the most disappointing part, uh, especially when you consider that it, at the same time as bringing the duo to Canada microsoft dropped the price in the u.s the the price dropped in the u.s on the same day that they brought it to canada so yeah. in the u.s it's 999 which works out to about 12 grand can in canadian so it's 1200 six, yeah yeah sorry that's okay. 1200 1267
1: 12 grand sounds be like a, the, a samsung smartphone it's a used car <laughs>
0: so it's like a it's nice used car. A very, significantly very significantly more. The Duo is significantly more expensive in Canada than okay. in the US, which is really disappointing. So, my advice to anyone who's thinking about buying the Duo is: um, be rich. <laughs> a be rich, or Duh. B, just don't buy it and wait because they'll they'll probably drop the price in Canada too.
2: Yeah, just basically from hearing you saying that you use it more as a single screen device, and my used with double screen devices kind of leading towards the same way. Is I don't think, the, I don't know, the world just doesn't seem ready for dual screen devices. And with all the other compromises this has, plus the price, would you stick with it after you're done reviewing it? Like, I mean, it's cool. It looks awesome. And I, I bet you it feels great in the hand, but will you, do you think you'll stick with it over something as normal, like a S21 th- or
0: i think i would probably switch back to a more normal phone and the reasons i have for that is one because of the width i find it very difficult to put the phone into my pocket Mm -hmm. which is frustrating because that's primarily where i keep my phone yeah everyone Um, it doesn't really matter that much right now because i don't really leave my house so my phones live on my desk most of the time Mm -hmm. um but when i do go out it sucks because i put this thing in my pocket and it looks like I've got a tablet in my pocket, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: And no, totally huge. Yep. Um, so, that's
0: there is, so that's like a factor. Um, the other thing is I feel like some of the best use cases for having dual screens, Microsoft hasn't really leaned into it that well. So, you know, earlier I mentioned the kind of Nintendo DS like nature of it. If you turn it sideways, it would be a great gaming companion. Like this, the Surface Duo in my mind would be the ideal XCloud device because you'd have the gamepad on the one screen, so you don't need to bring around a controller. You can use the to touch controls. And then on the other screen you see the video. LG cool. had that. Which only for you know, select games though. That would be great, except Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass slash XCloud app doesn't let you do that. It has no support for the duo the duo, basically. And I think Microsoft kind of hinted that they were working on something, but they're from a gaming perspective, there's nothing to really use the duo for, which is disappointing. Um, from a productivity standpoint, if you use a lot of Microsoft apps to do work on the go, you So can no, nobody make, is
2: using this then. Is the yeah, answer. You, you can definitely yeah.
0: make the duo work, I, no. but <laughs> you know, I, with the pandemic that's going on, I just, you know, I don't see many people being in a situation where they're joining a work meeting or a team's meeting from their phone and needing to have multiple things open at the same time. You can totally do it with the duo, but I just, you know, and the other thing is in my usage, typically what I do on my phone is I send messages. I check emails, surprise and <laughs> I scroll social media mm-hmm. and you know, uh, scrolling to different social media feeds at the same time is cool once or twice. And then and you're kind of like, well, that's what you have two eyes for, you know, I don't, <laughs> what's the point, right? Like why I wouldn't yeah. spend two grand to get a phone to let me scroll Twitter and Reddit at the same time.
2: Information overload. Yeah. It's an information out of that.
0: overload. So I think, right. I think there are use cases for the duo that make it really, really good and worth buying. I just mm-hmm. don't think that Microsoft has fully realized those use cases yet.
1: I think that's a good place to to wrap it up. Uh, it sounds like it's a cool tech demo. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Possibly. But like, wait for the next rendition.
2: That's sort of my takeaway from mm-hmm. it. It's good. Like the original Pebble watches and stuff. you are going have yeah. them in like five years and be like, the hardware used to be so good. You guys yeah, never yeah, knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I would classify it as very much a strongly first gen device. And what okay. I mean by that is it's clearly the first generation and it's a really good starting point. And I think it has a lot of potential. I think there's just a few, you know, kinks and little issues that Microsoft needs to work out. And some of them, like I said, I think a lot of it is Google's fault because Google keeps touting Android as the the best operating system for multiple displays. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very clearly not some designed design. for multiple displays.
1: So I don't even know if, if like the concept of a win back is something that the average person is even aware of, but we've had two relatively big ones, one from Rogers that we've seen before, one from Bell that we've also seen before.
2: That one was so organized too.
1: Yeah. Bennett, do you want to just like explain what the win back is? And it's also a little different this time, at least in terms of our coverage on the site, because... These it are written from personal experience, right? Like yeah. it happened to both of you. This isn't like us pulling stuff from red flag or, or a reader reaching out to us. This yeah. is, this is based on personal experience. So do you want to just break down what on earth a win back is relatively briefly?
2: Yeah. a win back plan is, is kind of like a loyalty plan, but it only happens after you leave. So in my experience, I used to be with Rogers. I'm now with Kudu and or Code. I can't say it. Uh, Kudo, but I'm now with that. Kudo. I'm now with that Telus flanker brand that people seem to like. Um, But yeah, Rogers phoned me up the other day, but it wasn't actually Rogers. It was an agency working for Rogers. It was essentially like a win back department and they or a department within Rogers, but they offer you deals to get you back. So I left Rogers. They still know that I'm a person that exists. They have my phone number. They called me up and they were like, Hey, Brad, you know, we noticed you left Rogers two years ago. Do you, do you mind saying why? And I said, why? And then they said, well, would you mind coming back? We'll give you this plan. The plan is 25 gigs for $45 a month, uh, not 5g and I forgot what else was missing. There were some other things, but basically a win-back plan is a plan from a carrier, your old carrier to get you to come back. Like I said, it's kind of like a loyalty plan, but generally they're better than loyalty plans, and they're when the carrier reaches out to you. So I guess the key here is that they're not available to everyone. The carrier will reach out to you, um, and if you're lucky, then you get it. Sometimes... You, you can call, like sometimes when we write about them, people will tell us that they've called in and that's why we write about them because they can call in and they'll ask the carrier like, hey, we saw this deal was written about. Uh, you're offering this to people who left Rogers. I've been with Rogers for five years. How come I don't get the deal? And sometimes they will. But that's basically, I, I think, a win back in a gist. It's like the luck of the
1: draw. It depends on what customer
2: service agent you get and how nice you are to them. Um, yeah, actually, that's a good point. How nice you are to them, I find, really works out well. If you're like, yeah. I don't, if you hang up right away, you're not going to get it. I mean, if you yell at them, you're not going to get it. If you're like, Oh, you know, Rogers, I left, you know, lead them on, see where it
1: goes. It's almost like being a, a nice human helps you out in those situations. John, Surprise. like on the bell side of things, they literally sent you a SIM card, correct?
0: Yeah. So that, that was the part that kind of got me. Cause I remember all the Bennett got his deal from Rogers first and they called him and, and made the offer. And then, uh, Bell sent me a letter and they actually, they sent it because I moved. So they sent it to um, my old address, which was um, at the time when I was with Bell, I was living with my parents. So my parents got this letter for me from Bell and they were like, this is weird. You're not with Bell anymore. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) that is weird. So I go and I, I got the letter from them and I open it up and it's literally this deal. They're like exclusive offer, $55 a month for 20 gigs of data. And it included a SIM card, which was really surprising. And I saw um, in the comments on uh, the article about, about it, that it's actually pretty common for bell to send people SIM cards with an offer. And people are kind of like, well, it's wasteful because I'm, I'm never switching back to bell and and comments of that, you know, kind of style. So I do get the wastefulness of it, but also I was kind of like, wow, they, they must be really confident in their offer that they're just sending me a SIM card because like, you know,
2: I bet you it helps. Uh, if it, the sim card does. shows up, it means you can switch to that plan
0: that day, right that away. instant. Yep. It was without def- the sim
2: card. It's a multiple day process.
0: Yeah, it was definitely an incentive for me because uh, mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, I've got the sim card here now, so if I did decide to make the switch,
1: and you did, I, right? I it worked. Didn't yeah, it?
0: yeah. I ended up making the switch, and that was also part of what was interesting. I called in first just to get some answers because I knew, you know, the offer that Bennett got was. No 5G, so I'm like, I don't really want to switch to Bell if I'm not going to get the 5G. Yeah, that's a, that was we a should be
2: clarified that both of us already had huge data plans. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. that's so that's the other part, right? Good, like, yeah. my I was with Kudo before, and my plan with Kudo was also $55 a month for 11 gigs, which isn't as much as 20, but I also wasn't using any data because I was at home, yeah, all the time. So. It wasn't about the amount of data um, so much as it was like the other benefits of the plan. So I was like, I know with Kudo, I'm never going to get, well, not never, but it's going to be a while before I get 5G and I'd like to have 5G to be able to test that feature on phones that I review. Um, So that was a a factor when I called in and Bell was like, yeah, you you get 5G access, you get all this other stuff. And I asked if I would have to pay the um, connection fee. And it wasn't like, uh, oh, like I don't want to switch if I'm being charged a connection fee. I was just curious. I'm like, am I going to have to pay that? And they were like, no, we'll waive it. And I was like, oh, all right, sweet. That's cool. Thanks. And then on top of that, they also gave me a credit for my second month. That's going to show up on my on my bill. So like, I'm getting a month free from them for no reason. I didn't even ask for that. They just like told me after they finished the activation. I was like, sweet. They wanted so, your business yeah bell, but they
2: like worked hard for it rogers didn't offer me anything like that and i asked because they called me back after you had gotten your thing and i was like well can i kind of get this can i kind can of get that can... mm-hmm. what about this you know i don't want to pay that much you know nothing wouldn't budge it was a good deal to begin with but they, they wouldn't budge in the way that bell gave you all those add-ons
0: yeah no so visual
2: voicemail i asked Ooh.
0: yeah i I, I asked about visual voicemail as well because i had that with kudo um really i've never had it, it seems sick though it well, I, cool. I ended up getting hit because I was writing about Kudo adding visual voicemail for Android because their add-on was iPhone only forever. And yeah, then they added bro. it for Android. Um, right. And when that happened, they hadn't updated their website yet. So I added the iPhone add-on to see if it would work on Android phones. And it did. Um, uh, and they af- after that story went live, they combined the add-ons and it's just one visual voicemail add-on and it's automatic depending on your phone. Bell apparently does not have that. They only have it for iPhones, so I haven't added the visual voicemail yet, but if that changes, I will so the,
1: probably the last, do that. last the last carrier-related thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, and John, you obviously have like a way better understanding of this than I do because you covered the stories for the site, but there's a lot of stuff going on with Kudo, first related to Canada Wide Calling, but then also kind of folded into that There's some confusion around certain plans going up by $5 as well. Am I correct in that?
0: Yep, yep, yep. So basically, there were two different things that happened. Sorry, three different things that happened. Two of them were related, and all of them are resulting in $5 increases in some way, shape, or form. Okay. So... The first two things that happened uh, was a series of plan changes. So Kudo was recently running their Lunar New Year sales, um, and those were set to end on February 23rd, uh, which was yesterday, I believe. They That's did. All
2: the deals on the carrier sites this morning were not good.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so those Lunar New Year deals ended. But Kudo, instead of going back to whatever plans it had before, rolled out all new plans and... Um, And the big change is that their plans include province-wide calling instead of Canada-wide calling like they did before. And Kudo is trying to spin this as, oh, we're giving consumers way more choice because if you don't need Canada-wide calling, you can save $5 a month and get the province-wide calling. Which, yeah, that's a fair way to spin it, but that's not what Kudo did. Kudo removed Canada-wide calling from all their plans and made it a $5 add-on but didn't lower the cost of their plans.
2: So currently on the website now, it looks like it's cheaper for province-wide calling. But if you knew Kudu's history with how they priced their plans, you would know that that's not really cheaper. It's really at the same price as it was for Canada-wide calling a week ago.
0: Yeah. So right. a, a primary way to, to look at it is before the Lunar New Year deals. And the Lunar New Year deals kind of made everything a little bit harder to parse because it went from, oh, Great deals to very clearly not great deals. And that buffer makes it hard to compare the plans to what Kudo offered normally before. Um, but for a while, pretty much every carrier has had a $75, sorry, all the Flanker brand carriers, so Fido, Virgin, and uh, Kudo, all had $75 10 gig plans, right? That was like their top plan across the board. So Kudo now offers a $75 12 gig plan, but it doesn't include Canada wide calling. It's province wide calling. So if you want to get Canada wide calling, it's now an $80 12 gig plan. So you get a little bit more data, but the plan also costs more um, when you compare it to what they had before. So it's not a great trade off overall. Um, And the other part of it that Kudo did was they changed their tab plans. So before all these changes, if you wanted to get a phone with Kudo and go on the tab, the plan price didn't change. If you wanted a $50 plan, you got the $50 plan. The only difference was you'd pay the extra tab charge, which was a monthly fee based on what phone you got. Um, Now, if you want to plan on the tab, it costs $5 more than the BYOP or bring your own phone equivalent.
2: Oh,
1: really? So yeah. also, yeah. what about the legacy plan increasing stuff? I, I know we talked about this off the podcast, but that's just like really old plans, right? Yeah. Going up yeah. By $5. So that's
0: that's the third thing that happened. Kudo says that it wasn't related to these other plan changes that they did. Um, but basically, uh, Kudo in January let a bunch of legacy plan holders know that their plans would go up by $5 a month starting in February. And that change basically just happened to coincide with this, uh, these other plan changes. So a bunch of people were confused and thinking, oh, my plan is going up because Kudo is changing their plans. Um, that's not the case, but it's very clear why it looks like that's the case. Yeah. Um, but basically, if you have a legacy plan, and when I say legacy, I mean like we're talking five to 10 years old. Like you've had this plan and you haven't changed your plan in a very, very long time. Ian Hardy level plans is what we're Yeah. Saying. yeah. Um, a couple of the people who reached out to me, like literally they were like, I've had this plan since 2011.
2: Yeah. My grandfather right. passed this plan down to me. It's so a family heirloom of a plan.
0: If you, if you have one of these super old legacy plans, Fair um, enough. there's a good chance that on your January kudo bill, there was some sort of notice that the plan would go up in February and then you would have received an email sometime in the last week or so that said, Hey, we're increasing your plan by $5. Cool. Um, and it just, it sucks that it happened at the same time as these plan changes because anybody on a legacy plan who went, well, I don't want to pay the extra $5 per month. I'm going to switch my plan. You know, if it happened during Lunar New Year, they could have switched their plan to the Lunar New Year plans and gotten a good deal. Um, but now they have to pick these new province-wide plans that just aren't that great.
1: So that's probably a good place to, to wrap this up. I know hey, talking, talking I- about, yeah, go ahead.
2: I just have one last thing to say about this. Uh, less about the five dollar increase to legacy plans, but more about to the promise wide calling thing. Keep your eye open; it'll probably happen at other carriers in the next. Few yeah, weeks that's now. yeah. It that's, was. The that's the
0: most thing disappointing part. Is yeah. Kudo's probably just going to do the change, and in the next couple of weeks, the other carriers will do it, and because oh, it'll Kudo hit Canadians, will suffer. They, they, it'll yeah. hit
1: Telus very soon. I would, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, it started with Public Mobile,
2: did it not? So it's working its way up it? the Telus yeah. brand chain. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but yeah. I, I talk and carrier stuff isn't something we usually do on the podcast. Want to try it? Let us know what you think. Like, is this something you're interested in? We kind of picked it for this episode just because there's been a lot of stuff happening in that space. So, drop us, uh, drop us a comment and let us know what you think. But yeah, let's move on to the last segment of the podcast and talk about what we've been playing this week in terms of video games. So I, I haven't been playing anything that I haven't talked about several other times on this podcast. I'm still playing Apex, enjoying season eight. I'm now playing ranked Apex, which is new for me, even though the game's been out for two years. I've never really played ranked before. So it's, it's somewhat caused my friends and I to play the game very differently. We're far less aggressive. We hang back more. We kind of wait until we get our points into the positive and then play more aggressive towards the end of the game. It, it's kind of like really changed how I play it, which is cool. And then I've also been playing a crazy amount of NHL 21. I play this very specific mode within the game. That's. It sounds very uh, exciting. NHL 21? Just the thing you're going to talk about, sorry, because like, I know about it. Oh. The the So I, I play, it's not necessarily a league, but I play with like the same people every week. Um, it's this arcade mode within NHL 21 called 3's Eliminator. And it's kind of like NBA Jam, but hockey without crazy power-ups you can score really easily there's no obstruction you can just like hit someone nowhere near the puck it, it just like it's not it's hockey but it's not really hockey which kind of makes it more fun it's arcade-y. yeah it's super arcadey like incredibly um, arcadey but i've had a ton of fun with it because i i used to play nhl a lot probably like five years ago and i haven't for a really long time and it's it's been really interesting to rediscover the game in this unique new way
2: Are you guys playing like one-on-ones? Like you control all three players in your team or is everybody like a a player? Each person's one player. Like you're a defenseman virtual. Yeah, Yeah, so what are you? What do you play?
1: So I play defense. um, Nice. Because I used to not be very good at scoring and I have, I would say like slightly faster reflexes than my brother and his friend that I play with. But I've slowly figured out how to score and I can almost score as good as them. As good nice. as them, so they get mad at me because I rush up too much now. Like I'm always <laughs> pitching, or like I'm rushing up, and then, yeah. then the other team will score, and they'll be like, "What the hell, man? You're supposed to be playing defense." So I, I have to like hold back and just like stand at the blue line all, at all times.
2: No, I like that. I like when sports games get like really like. I was my older mate Sean at one point was playing like 2K, and like there would be times where he'd be on the bench playing. Yeah, would <laughs> He's yeah, yeah, like yeah, waiting yeah. to get back in the yeah, game, yeah. and I was yeah. like, "This is
1: hilarious. I love it."
2: So yeah, he, sounds really he used, cool.
1: My brother used to play the like. I don't know what it's called in, in 2K, but like where you control one player and it's two on yeah. two or, or three on three or, or whatever. Um, it, it's like a very different way of experiencing a, a sport game. But Bennett, what, what have you been
2: playing? Uh, I have been gaming again a little bit I uh, this weekend or the past weekend, I guess I was playing a little bit of Stardew Valley again. I was playing the multiplayer with my, my buddy. We had Did you never use the beach them. map? No, we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, uh, or wait, anyway, no. There's, so there's a new like starting beach and then I think, and then there's also like uh, you can get, you can fix the fisherman guy's boat and then go to a tropical island. That's kind oh, of like cool. I didn't know that. Animal so Crossing style. Yeah, we haven't gotten to that island, but we just started the the duo farm. And just that's cool. Was playing it was fun. And then I played a little Halo as well. But uh, that's which, basically which Halo? Just, it. just Master Chief Collection. Me and my buddy, I don't know, a month or two ago, before I moved, we had started playing and we did Reach and then we did Halo 1. So we're like halfway through Halo 2 now. And we just every so often pick it up for a few hours and we're just pushing our way through the campaigns
1: i've been thinking about starting to play the multiplayer again like the more i play apex almost every night now like at yeah. least for an hour hour and a half something like that because there's nothing else to do um but it's really made me want to pick up an arena shooter again and like i have this itch that's slowly growing to go back and play halo nice. i wish halo five uh halo infinite came out like oh every time so i think good. about that would have been so great um, yeah, yeah locked in my point. house would be
2: easier there was a point before I moved, so around Christmas time, where Halo was like twenty seven or twenty five dollars on Steam. So like all of my PC friends picked it up. So we were nice. having like really fun. That's when we started playing the campaign. A lot of us were playing, like having really fun, like Halo three multiplayer matches for a couple of nights. And yeah, it's awesome. I love whenever that happens.
0: John, what about you? Uh, I've been playing um, two games basically. Uh, I started playing Control because it was on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, nice, and that's been fun. I haven't played it yet. So uh, yeah, it's been a good time. I'm not even sure how far through the game I am, but yeah, it's really trippy and cool. So I've been having a blast with that. And also after BlizzCon and seeing some of the Diablo 4 stuff, I haven't played any of the Diablo games myself, but um, I'm interested in maybe picking up Diablo 4 when it comes out, because it looks like it's going to be a good time. And it reminded me a lot of this other free-to-play game that's a very similar style called path of exile um which i used to play a bunch on steam so i re-downloaded that and have started playing it again just to to scratch that top-down isometric arpg itch i
1: have a lot of friends that are hyped about the diablo 2 remake i do not care i've never been into the diablo series like i played diablo 3 on xbox one and i had i had fun with it like i thought it was pure way Yeah, of course, like can't use the mouse and keyboard, right? I, it was a great console port of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I don't know. It's just never been the series for me, but uh, yeah, it's, I'm, it's I'm definitely I'm happy. Not, people are excited about it.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely I not for all- everyone. Um, and like I said, I, I've never played any of the Diablo games, but um, my buddy is super, super hyped for Diablo to the uh, resurrected, I think was what they called it. Um, I know people that before. lived
1: in that game in high school like literally yeah. that's all they did was play that game
2: yeah yeah um, I was gonna say I did play a hot game though actually i did I downloaded the what is it triangle trilogy square enix strategy game oh the switch I
1: game I downloaded that yeah, too. What I it? played it, the though. triangle
2: triage or triangle something <laughs> triangle tactics or something I'm gonna triangle look it tactics up. maybe yeah i I downloaded that and I played the first level I guess of the demo that was pretty cool. It was hard though. So wait,
1: triangle uh, project triangle strategy.
2: What a name! Project triangle strategy. Yeah, download <laughs> that. What one. a
1: great name! All right, that's a um, good place to uh, wrap it up. Thanks for listening to the Serpcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore o'rourke and of course on mobileserp.com. Bennett, where can people find you?
2: Um, you can find me just about anywhere at the fad and then you can find my work on mobileserp.com as well. And John, where can people find you?
0: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at John underscore Lamont. That's J-O-N underscore L-A-M-O-N-T. And you can also find me on the website, mobilesyrup.com. And
1: as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening.